Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Araja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? Everyone's bad. <laughs> Everyone in this state is bad at football, except for... Uh, I'm trying to think who won. SMU, except for SMU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Don't worry, we'll talk plenty about them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fine. Uh, everyone else is bad, and I'm trying to think of were they the only ones that won yesterday? Ooh, were they the only ones who won yesterday? Uh, TCU won. TCU won. Oh yeah, of course, of uh, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they're playing a team in here, so we can. It's always just like the the bigger story is always how much Texas collapses, and not exactly right, how, right, right. how the other team does. I uh, mean, look, nothing, nothing that happened yesterday ruined my enjoyment of UTEP football. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, this. <laughs> w- what do we take from yesterday other than that? This is this is a crazy, crazy season. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we are in a lot of ways starting to see that this is what it means to not have spring camp. This is what it means to have players be out in the fall. This is what it means to lose depth to contact tracing. You know, the the first thing that we'll talk about, obviously that's been a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's always been kind of conceptual, right? And and obviously, like when we evaluate these teams, we're not going to give them the credit for that, right? We're not going to tell them like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, hey, you know what? Texas has two new coordinators and, you know, they didn't get a lot of practice time. Like nobody's gonna say that, right? And they shouldn't. I mean, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna evaluate teams based on what they put out on the field, and and I think that's fair. Uh, and also, like, look, obviously, in the case of the University of Texas, you're still talented enough. Like, you, you know, yeah. you're still talented enough. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's been very clear this is gonna be a weird year, and you know, we've even seen it in in other leagues, right? Like. Uh, like obviously Mississippi State, they go and all of a sudden beat LSU in Week One, and then in Week Two they lose to Arkansas. Like, I don't know. It's it's going to be a weird year. And actually, all that said, uh, give all the credit in the world to Alabama and Clemson, who are just murderers. And and like, oh god, it doesn't it, matter. It just lo- it looks fine. Like <laughs> right. it's it's like spring practice is a luxury for those guys. Like they don't really need it, <laughs> right? Because Mac Jones is just going to come out and just throw apparently for. A billion yards when he has like okay well during the week we can get to this game later but like i remember during the week i was like yeah Jalen waddle's gonna just go off and then just like <laughs> he that's ex- just exactly what he did like he was just like yeah i'm the best player on this field and yeah. just absolutely torched it <laughs> but i don't want to get into that game too much but <laughs> yeah we can go ahead and get right into it though okay so starting with number 10 um again still only 10 teams where uh houston does Fingers crossed, knock on everything, open this week against Tulane. Um, Rice, uh, they did open camp, so, you know, it does look like they're kind of working towards that opener on October 24th, but still still a lot in the air, right? We we still don't know what Mm. to expect from Rice. Um, But so we have 10 teams right now. So starting with number 10, it's weird to see them consistently in this spot. North Texas. 
Oh boy. So, um yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So North Texas, forty one thirty one loss to Southern Miss. Uh they got in a seventeen three hole like in the first quarter. Uh never mm-hmm. never could come back from that. Have to mention like North Texas without several major pieces because of contact tracing and, and mm-hmm. sort of COVID related issues. Uh but so was Southern Miss. And Southern Miss was mm-hmm. 0-3. Southern Miss uh yet to win a game. Not they they had played better than you know, zero and three, but yeah. um, but and you know, naturally that meant Southern Miss just took it to them for yeah. for for the yeah. early part of this game. I don't know, like Austinani got the start, which is what question we had. You know, we were like, is Definitely. are they going to go with a hot hand, or are they going to go with are they going to give more Jason Bean some time against a, a, an opponent more on their level? And I mean, you know, Austinani put up numbers, but I don't. I just it was fine. Like the whole the whole team was just like off and. I don't want to, it's not on his fault, you know, obviously he, he did look like the guy again, like, I don't know, I think that this is, to me, this shows that he should probably be the starter yeah. um, for the for the foreseeable future until something goes terribly wrong, but, um, yeah, God, you know, it just looks so bleh, and yeah. I, I wonder, like, you know, Seth Luttrell was, was, rightfully so the arguably the hottest uh coaching candidate just two years ago and i don't know how much you attribute that to that success to a combination of mason fine and graham harrell because both of the one of those guys gone and now both of those guys gone like it's just been a stark stark difference to what this offense does well i think it's definitely been I think the start to this season and what we've seen so far just shows how much of a failure last year was too, right? Because sure, you have sure. so much of that talent coming back, um, you know, and, and look, I, I do think it's fair to say too that North Texas right now today is one of the more talented teams in Conference USA, right? Like this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't an issue where like, okay, they're good players left and it's a disaster. Like, right. This- no, right. Like DeAndre Torrey and, and Trey Siggers, they start on like, I want to say like probably all but two conference yeah. USA teams. Like, come on now. Like they're, they're on, talented man. running backs. Austin Ani is a good, uh, looks like a good quarterback to right. me. Um, Jalen Dart, like these are good Jalen Dart's a starter everywhere. Yeah. Like maybe everywhere, um, a lot of teams in America, right? Like not just right, right, not right. just at North Texas and any conference USA. Like he's starting most Power Five places too. Like he's he's legit, and um, you know, and I will give uh, Seth Luttrell this credit. So, you know, Austin Ani in the first couple of minutes of the game, he fumbled the ball twice, right? Like mm-hmm. which is how they got in that hole. But Seth Luttrell didn't sort of panic and go away from him. So that does say a lot about um, where I feel like they kind of hold Ani right now. It kind of seems like he's the guy. Uh, yeah. You know, because they had been sort of rotating really all of the last several weeks. Um, yeah, and then he, he just took it. He, 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 right. he, he I mean, did Bean, Bean didn't play a snap, did he? I, I He didn't throw a pass at least. Yeah, he didn't. I know he definitely didn't throw a pass. So Yeah, so, um, you know, which I think that settling on a guy, I think that's going to be pretty significant heading forward because it is just hard to prepare two guys every single week, which is what they had to do. Um, you know, but, but again, until further notice, they're number 10 in the state and other teams are about to hit conference play too. You know they're gonna they're gonna be more in that in that range. You know heading forward, but right now, I mean, there's there's not really an argument. I don't think for anybody else. Yeah, and I believe most of those uh, uh, 
we mentioned the COVID tracing for North Texas. I believe most of them were on the defensive side. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm really not hammering the defense that much because they no, were dealing no, no, with a lot no. of depth issues today. And like, don't get me wrong, they haven't been great. And you know, I'm not going to say they would have shut down Southern Miss with those guys and with more depth. But when you're already lacking in that in, on that side of the ball, and then you lose guys on the two deep, like you're. Ju- it's hard for me to be like, yeah, then they gave it 41. It's their fault, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, no doubt, no doubt. But moving on to number nine, uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech is so close to being oh. 3-0, and they're so close to being 0-3. <laughs> it's, this This is an adventure. Every single week, this is an adventure. Um, oh, I, man. I do need to point out, I I saw the stat floating around Twitter. I, I haven't confirmed this, but, but it sounds right. Uh Somebody's post. People have been posting that that Matt Wells in one score games is like one in six, uh, you know. And and this is a natural growing part of a team, right? Like this, you mm-hmm. know, especially in year one. Like usually, what happens is year one you play the close games. Year two you start to win some of them, and it's year two and Tech is not winning any of the close games. Yeah, yeah. And and like I mean, and then we should say you know Alan Bowman did go out. Um, unfortunately, another injury. I don't know if there's been any news on him since the game. Not not a whole lot. Um, for what yeah. it's worth, uh, well, first of all, for what it's worth, it's not like a, a soft tissue, you know, lung injury or anything like right, that. Right, right. Um, it was just a lower body injury. He was actually uh, he was able to come back out and uh, and like just be on the sideline during warmups at least at halftime. So you know, it, yeah. it doesn't seem it like, was it's a, like a crazy thing. Yeah, I think it was like it was kind of a low shot. Like it was yeah. a it was a it was a leg injury, and it looked like. Uh, you know, Kansas. I forgot who what player, but he got kind of blocked into him. He he yeah. beat the he beat the blocker, and the blocker kind of pushed him to the ground, and then he still made an effort at um at Bowman, kind of hit him in the knee, and so you know you're hoping nothing serious. Um, yeah, yeah. But credit, you know, some credit to Henry Columbia. Like he played fine. Like he wasn't. I think he, he played very well. Yeah, he he wasn't. It, it, obviously, you lose that like that that big play wild card factor with Bowman, but like you know he. I don't know what else you could have expected from him against a good Kansas State team. Like he, it, he did. They didn't lose because of him. Yeah, I, I would say. I, so what I'd say. So first of all, um, you know, final score is thirty-one twenty-one. That's not. That doesn't show how close the game was because they, mm-hmm. they had the ball uh, down twenty-four twenty-one with a chance to go and win the game and and couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And then they had a chance. They had third and oh, this, this this will drive me insane. Texas Tech's defense has been fantastic for fifty-seven minutes of football games. <laughs> um, so so they have a chance to get a stop. Third and five. They'd get the ball back about two minutes left. Only and down three. Chance Deuce to go. Harm, Deuce Vaughn. Oh, Deuce Vaughn, man. Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, Vaughn man. just Deuce Vaughn's all over the place it's, for the 70 part, yards. The worst part is before the play, I was looking at the play, right? Um, yeah, like before yeah. the snap. I was looking at it, and I'm like, they have, like, dramatically overcrowded the box, right? Like, yeah. they, like I'm like, oh, my gosh. If he breaks like, this, it is done. Right. And And the other thing, too, was I was like, all of those receivers are in extremely single coverage, right? Yeah. Like, like extremely. Like, if one guy runs, you know, a streak, like it's it's over, right? And and then they, go, yeah, they. I, I don't remember if it was like a draw or something, but it was like slightly delayed. Everybody overruns their target, and and Vaughn just breaks through, and there is nobody. And oh my gosh, it. I just, it's it's one of those where you're just like, this is about to be a disaster one way or another. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, that was that was wild. Oh man, but but anyway, like, so so Henry Columbia comes in the game. They're down seven zero. They go down fourteen zero because I mean, you know, it takes a second to get to get sure. uh, up to speed. Um, and sure. after that, I mean, he was 
I thought it was really good. Um, you know, the thing the thing that I'll say about Columbia is that, you know, I had very low expectations of him, um, sure. you know, coming in. You know, he's a Utah State backup, right? Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of a I, – I don't remember the kid last year, but but Texas Tech had a kid grad transfer from Rice and uh, Jackson Tyner, right? He, mm-hmm. he comes in for, mm-hmm. for, like, three snaps, and they're just like, oh, God, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. And I kind of thought that's how this was going to be, but, but Columbia looked, to me, really good. Uh, he moves really well. He was able to do some things with his feet. Um, I thought that his decision making was really, really good, uh, which is which has been something that that Alan Bowman has really struggled with to start this season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, really the only bizarre thing was that he like launched one, his interception was bizarre, like just just truly bizarre. He basically like dropped back, like looked like he wasn't even looking at a receiver and just launched the ball downfield. <laughs> and it was picked off. I, I don't know. That was bizarre. But other than that one play, um, I thought that he played really well and and gave him a chance to win the game. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think <clears throat> I think that they're in good hands if Bowman is out. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, this isn't how you want it to happen. But again, it, this was truly. I, I know it's a ten point game, but this truly was a three point game with a chance to go win the game. Sure, sure. Like uh, I'm watching that. I was rewatching the play while you were talking, and it, it's the Deuce Vaughn play, and it it looks like. Yeah, there's so many guys in the box that everybody else is in man. And then I I can't tell if he's matched up on a linebacker or just or a nickel, but he makes one cut inside that slant and he is it's done. There's no one, you know, no one over the top. I think there's one guy on the far right that's like the uh, supposed to be like the extra man if they need help. And like it's yeah, it's it's done at that point. Um, I just my worry is that I just feel like you mentioned his record, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's, it's, I'm curious if it is true or not, but I just don't want the Matt Wells era to be like the close, but nothing, but not enough era. Right? right. Cause it seems like we've been going on that for over a year now. Oh yeah. No. And, and that's the thing, you know, it, it, this has to turn around at some point. And I was definitely willing to give him a pass last year on it sure, um, sure, because, well, first of all, it's your first year. And second of all, I mean, and even now, they're dealing with a lot of roster depth issues, right? Like, mm-hmm. that, that's that been a big part of the reason why they've collapsed in so many games. That's why, you know, in the Cliff Kingsbury area, they collapsed in a lot of games. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just don't have a whole lot of depth. That's that's just kind of <laughs> because of, right. you know, we can go back and reevaluate the Cliff Kingsbury recruiting era and, and how he <laughs> didn't re- recruit anything but wide receivers. But, right. uh, but you know. That is at the same time, you know, it is year two. They brought in a decent amount of transfers to try to fill that, which I think they've done a good job with. Um, you know, you, you want to start seeing a little more uh, when, when it comes to when it comes to competing in close games. So, again, it's it's sure. week three. It's it's the COVID year. You know, you get a little bit more of a mulligan again, but whew, I, don't, I don't know about that. You know, the, you got to be better. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm counting real quick. They're... Okay, so last year they were 0-4 in one-score games. So then that's 0-6. And, and then the – yes, 0-6, and, and then uh, and then they beat Houston Baptist was the one close game that they won, the one one-score game. So I guess that's true, 1-6. Yeah, man, golly, that's, yeah. that's rough. And 0-6 against, uh, well, just FBS opponents, but but also against Big 12 opponents. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, if if that flips, I mean, again, they've been in so many of these games, even more than I think people want, uh, expected them to. So, you know, we we got to see that step, though. We got to see that step. Yep. So, moving on to number eight, unchanged. We don't need to really talk about them. Texas State, 
Nothing changed. They moved down a spot yeah. because another team jumped them. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, they, they play Troy this week. I actually think that's going to be a really interesting spot for them to, to prove what this team is going to be. So, uh, And see what they learn from the bye week as well. So, moving on. Oof, man. Texana. Oh, my gosh. So, so you want, you want to know how I watched this game in phases? So I, I, I switch over cause this was like the, the mid afternoon game after the, after the early, uh, yep. big noon Saturday stretch. Um, and so I turned it over and I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. 14, nothing instantly Alabama. Right, right. And I was instantly. like, Oh, okay, cool. I don't need to pay attention to this. And then I, so I turned it away. All of a sudden I turned back to turn back to it. 14, 14, 14. Oh, okay. Here we go. Time to watch it. Yeah. I don't need to watch this anymore. <laughs> and then instantly <laughs> instantly wasn't it, wasn't just like 35, goes 14 by the half it was yeah exactly yeah, 35 14 at the half i mean they, the they tied half, it was oh, quick because <laughs> it was bama scores and then uh and then and then kellen mont throws a pick six and i'm just like oh no this is bad this right. is gonna go bad oh yeah. yeah they had they had me they had me they had me back they just when I thought I was gone, they pull me back in, and then they throw me back against the wall so hard. Mac Jones throws through 435 yards, 20, 20 of 27. Jalen Waddle goes for 142. Like he had an 87. That 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 touch that 87 yard score was insane. Insane. John Mechie the third, like just insane. Who the like, hell is John who is, Mechie? Who exactly? Who is that? And he goes for one eighty one and has a seventy eight yard touchdown. Like uh, that was uh, yeah. Uh, apparently that was he's bad. uh he's Brampton, Ontario's finest. Sure. <laughs> how man, about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, sure, Brampton stand up. I, I don't you know. You need to know how good AM's day went. Haynes King was their leading rusher. To that, uh, yeah, that that was the craziest stat of the day. That was that was easily the craziest stat of the day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and no, Kellen Mond didn't get benched. Like they just they no. put him in. They put him in late. They put King in late, and he just was the leading rusher. <clears throat> so so okay. I'm I'm gonna briefly touch on two things that were okay to slash yeah. good. Sure. Um, okay. Anaya Smith is awesome. Anaya yeah. Smith is really really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and the other thing too is that, like, I didn't think that Anum's offense killed them, right? Like, it, yeah. Which, which is kind of the the funny thing, right? Heading into this game, you're like, okay, Kelmon's got to have a crazy game, and like, mm-hmm. Kelmon threw the pick six, right? Like, and that right. kind of, you know, that kind of put the game away. But like, mm-hmm. Kelmon did not lose this game, right? <laughs> like. You know, I, I thought that he played well enough to compete. Not not enough, good enough to win, obviously, but but good enough to mm-hmm. compete. Um, okay, now the bad. I was under the impression that Texas A&M's secondary was going to be much improved. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was told yeah. by AppleCare that the <laughs> A&M secondary was going to be way different. Um, you know, I and, dropped and- it off. I dropped him off overnight. <laughs> they were supposed to, they told me the next day it would be all fixed and polished. And I pressed a button and it exploded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, not great. Uh, I just, it's, I don't know, man. It, Again, you can tell that I'm speechless, obviously, just because... Well, here's the, th- the, the thing was, like, you know, it, even when the schedule was normal, right, when they were supposed yeah. to get Bama later in the year, we were under the impression that it was better to get Bama early. 
Because right. it was like you don't want to, you don't want to get Mac Jones when he settles in. It's like well, too late. Like <laughs> two games in, he's fine. Right. Uh, Jalen Waddle is like, oh, you you want to you want to catch this Bama team that's kind of retooling. I don't want to say reloading because I mean Waddle, Najee Harris, like these guys are were big contributors. But like you know, you wanted to catch them a little bit when they're trying to get their you know no spring practice all that. And yeah, it didn't matter. Like it, it just didn't matter. And like yeah, I'm I'm partially like I don't know. I, this was supposed to be the year where, like, again, this is supposed to be the year where you got Bama, right? Or where you had the best chance to get Bama if you're AM. And because you're supposed to be the experienced ones, right? You're, right. This is year, year three under Jimbo. Um, you know, this is, I, 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 this is just frustrating because this is like year one or two under Jimbo versus Bama. Right. This isn't you and, having your guys yeah. in, developing your system, you know, Kellen Mon third year. Like, I don't know. This is. Yeah. It's just bad. Just so, it was not good. So uh, two things to note. Um, oh. So this is the second most points Alabama's ever scored against Texas A and M, and <sighs> this is also the biggest margin of defeat both since the same year, since that fifty nine zero game. Like this is the worst mm-hmm. game since that game. Like you know, and um, you know, and and again to give to give A and M a little credit, like they looked really good against the run, right? Like their defensive line looked really good. Their linebackers looked really good. But they didn't need to attack those positions because their defensive backs couldn't stop anything. And I, I just also want to be clear, right? Like, Jimbo's in year three. This this isn't early anymore, right? Like, I hear a lot of people sort of be like, well, you know, there's still a lot of Sumlin guys and stuff like that. And and no, I mean, when we talk about year three, like, I mean, not to, not to you know, compare too much to other programs, right? But, like, Matt Rule last year in year three was in the Big 12 title game. You yeah. know, Tom Herman, it took until year two, right? Like, it's just, and and that's, I feel like that's a fair way to compare them. Now, obviously, the SEC is tougher, right? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they have to be better than Bama by year three by any means, but, like, you, you just kind of think that this should be a fundamentally different team right now than it was then. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're better at some things than they were before. They're also worse mm-hmm. at some things than they were before, and... It, I don't know, it just it just feels like, at this point, they should be further along. Like, for example, right? Like, I mean, obviously, again, I don't want to make too big of a comparison between doing this in the SC versus Commerce Tuesday, but, like, Gary Patterson, yeah. you know, took over a very middling program. Uh, you know, year two, they win 10 games. Year, two, uh, year three, they win 11 games, right? And it, or mm-hmm. top 25 both of those years, right? Like, Texas, uh, sorry, TCU, you know, they were top 25 in 2000, and before that had basically never been top 25. So, like, mm. you know, three years is enough before, where right. we should start to see some results. Like, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about how, you know, oh, we're, we just got to wait for Jimbo to get his quarterback in there and, and this and that. And it's like, well, man, three years is a whole lot of time to get your quarterback in there if you're yeah, going to get he didn't, him. If he didn't like Kellen Mond, like he should, that should have been priority number one. Like we're seeing, we've literally seen Lincoln Riley go out and get dudes yearly, like on, right. on loan. Like he's basically just like, yeah, right. come in for a year while Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Come in for a year while so-and-so. Oh, Kyler's not quite ready yet. All right, Baker, get over. You know, like we're, we're we've seen him go to get guys. And I mean, let's put it this way. Like year three, you want to talk about narratives? Right, you want to talk about narratives as far as year three goes? So we all, I think everybody here penciled in A&M's year three as their year, right? Or yeah. they were going to show something, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the narratives of two other coaches. Tom Herman last year, year three. 
eight and five. What do you have to do? So basically, everybody looked at him and says, "You better take tear this coaching staff Fire down." Fire everybody! If you want to keep this job, you better tear this coaching staff down. Kevin Sumlin, year three, eight and five. Like, can't like especially after how that I believe that was the Kenny uh, the Kenny Hill starting that year and like it just absolutely collapsed. <laughs> the Kenny Trill like, year, yes, yeah, the Kenny Trill year where it's like, oh, they're gonna keep rolling, and then it turns out no, they're not. And again, the narrative surrounding that year was like, is was he Johnny? Was he all just Johnny? Right? And now, like, I'm wondering again. We have we have, we still have you know a bunch of season left. They could absolutely show something, but. The point is, these games against Bama are supposed to be like okay. Let's also I'll just I'll just do this right away. Tom Herman last year, year three against LSU, they didn't look overmatched. They no. looked like a team that was on the brink of something, right? right? LSU comes into Austin and they have their arguably their best matchup of the year and their best game of the year. Texas plays them as well as anyone does all year, and so you're expecting that level of if you're gonna lose to Bama, lose like that. <laughs> Lose right. going down, going toe to toe with them. A um, and M's first, A and M's third year under Sumlin. Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Those are those crazy Ole Miss and Mississippi State teams, the Dak Prescott teams. They go down fighting to those teams, right? Right. And it's like I don't know. It's of course they get blown out by Bama that same year. But like I'm just saying, yeah. like this is supposed to. Be, this is the year you bring in Jimbo Fisher to be able to match up Bama toe to toe. So to where you're not hoping that Mike Evans and Johnny Manziel are the ones that bail you out, that you're meeting them in the trenches, that you're fighting them toe to toe, that your corners can hang with their receivers. Like that's why you bring in Jimbo Fisher. And that just did not happen at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. And so look, the other thing is, is now you get Florida at home this week. Right, who's number yeah. three in the country right now? Mm-hmm. We must point out. Who it looks like they have a much better quarterback than Mac Jones, <laughs> uh, a way better quarterback, and and a way better <laughs> tight end than anybody Alabama's thrown out there too. By the way, uh, but man, it and then then you go to Mississippi State, and now Mississippi State looks like it's going to be a whole experience. But guess what? Mississippi State does well; they pass the ball. Uh, Arkansas doesn't look like a pushover this year. South Carolina doesn't look like a pushover this year. Tennessee on the road looks pretty good this year. You know, hope mm-hmm. you hope that you can beat Ole Miss, but then you get LSU and at Auburn. Like, where are the wins? Where are the wins on this schedule? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously, no. Like, I seriously, I don't, I don't. Parts like the one that I'm trying to see. I think I think Mississippi State they can win just because it. Yeah. Mike Leach, it looks like <laughs> I put in the Slack yesterday. I was like, I have some bad news from Mississippi State. Mike Leach's offense is on film. Like <laughs> that's, that's that's basically what it boiled. What and unfortunately, boiled somebody who uh, who's not Bo Pelini is scheming against them. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So so I think that could be a realistic win. Arkansas, we'll see. They look really good, and obviously that game's just wild in general. And M Arkansas. Yeah. Um, I I mean like like I said, we still got a lot of season left. Yeah. This was all getting Bama this early was always the problem but like i just didn't expect to see this much of an of a mismatch yeah yeah and and you know for me like yeah i think that i think that they beat arkansas i think they beat south carolina i think they probably split mississippi state and ole miss um mm-hmm. but you know again it, it's it's sort of the okay but are you gonna play up to anybody are, are you just gonna right, beat the right, teams right. that you're supposed to be better than and like again if, if they only win those games and, and even if they upset one more team that's five and five right like that's not very mm-hmm. good that's not what you thought when you came into this year and and obviously you lose the four uh you know winnable non-conference games but like i don't know you still 
you, you got to finish above 500, right? Even if it's a conference-only slate, I, I don't know. It's just, again, year three is not that early. <laughs> I mean, I think we just have yeah. to point that out. Year three is no, not like, early. No, this, this is when you're supposed to, like, your first recruiting class is kind of whatever, right? It's a patch right. job, all that stuff. The second recruiting class is supposed to be the ones where you're like, all right, these are my guys. And, like, for the most part, it was, right? This, the, that Definitely. was the one that we're like, oh, this is this is the class right now. Class. Yeah. And so who knows, like right? Like they they are still freshmen or freshmen and sophomores. So like you know maybe. But the problem is, show us something. <laughs> show something. us something. And yeah, yeah anyway. And they did not. <sighs> so right, that's a rant. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, number six, the Baylor Bears. They played their first real game, 27-21, double overtime loss to West Virginia. Um, look, the, the game can come down to this, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Baylor's defense is actually a lot better than even I expected at this point. Yeah. Um, Baylor's offense, what? <sighs> so and specifically the like, passing game. I feel like we've had this, we had this conversation about Charlie Brewer like 10 times last year. Yeah. And I think it's coming to a boiling point to where you just got to say, is, you got to ask, is Charlie Brewer good? <laughs> like, like I, I hate yeah. to say that because yeah. like, we feel like the answer is an obvious yes, but I don't know anymore. Like they just look, it looked like the offense yesterday, the play calling, and you could, you could really go off on this because I know you were paying attention to it, especially the play calling just looked like a coordinator who didn't trust his quarterback to make throws. Right, right. And I will say, uh, like, again, we, we've seen Charlie Brewer, Charlie Brewer get the ball out quick and throw the ball downfield, right? Like, we've seen that mm-hmm. before. We know that he, at some point in his life, had the ability to do that. I, you know, I, I, and I, I did hear, uh, you know, on the broadcast that they were saying that at some points they were checking out his shoulder. I don't know if, if he, you know, tweaked something in, in camp or something like that. I have no idea, but I, I just have to say, right. It's if Charlie Brewer is only able to throw the balls that Larry Fedora is calling for him, mm-hmm. then, then, and like, I don't get me wrong. I, I think that Charlie Brewer has been fantastic in his whole career at Baylor. I think that, you know, I think he's been a big part of that resurgence. He's been a great leader for that program. Like, I don't think that, that, that last season happens if not for Charlie Brewer, right? Like I, I have to sure, preface sure. with that. But if he can't throw those passes, then you, you shouldn't play him, right? Like you're pu- you're almost mm-hmm. putting him in danger by by doing that, by putting him in bad situations, by putting him in bad positions where he's not going to be able to be successful. And the whole point of this offense, you know what what we've seen from Larry Fedora, what we've been told all off season is, man, it's it's just you know it's going to fit his skill set so much better. And through two games, because it's not just this one game. Uh, I mean, he's looked really bad. Like, like not just not good enough. Like, he's looked actively really bad. And it's clearly, you know, you look at what happened yesterday. And, and I mean, I think you can credit the line. But, but still, I mean, you look at Baylor's inability to do much of anything. I mean, it's hard to not watch what happened yesterday and say that performance was on Charlie Brewer. Right. Yeah. And, like, I think... <sighs> And it makes me wonder as far as like you look you look further into the year. I mean, do you trust Gary Bahannon to make those throws? And like as part of me, part of me, like uh, me and you kind of had a little, I don't want to say discussion, but like just kind of a back and forth about it where it's like, I just think like you just got to throw Gina, uh, G, uh, Zeno and Jacob Zeno in there because like yeah. I feel like he's the one with the arm to be able to do that. And, but you also, I mean, you brought up a good point that, I mean, he's still very much third string. Right. But I just don't know, as far as Larry Fedora is concerned, he knows quarterbacks better than me, so maybe he does feel confident that Bahannon can make those throws. 
I just don't see that offense around him the way you might be you maybe think it would fit around Jacob Zeno. So the the thing that I'll say about Bohannon, right? And and somebody mm-hmm. was actually making a pretty good comparison yesterday uh, to to one of uh, or two of I guess uh, Larry Fedora's North Carolina teams, right? So mm-hmm. Larry Fedora's best North Carolina team was not with quote unquote quote unquote quote unquote an NFL quarterback, um, but. <laughs> What are you I've, talking about? It's, I have no thoughts Baylor, on the matter. That's, don't, that's worry. don't worry. Chicago Bears I've, franchise. I've, I've, I've absolutely <laughs> no thoughts on the matter. Um, but anyway, uh, but you know their best team was a year. It took them over to Sean Watson. You know. <laughs> I Sorry, not know that. I had no ahead. idea. Man, man, trust me, we can do a whole podcast about that. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, their best team was not with uh, you know their their most accurate quarterback. Their best team mm-hmm. was the year before with Marquise Williams, who I think actually in a lot of ways fits mm-hmm. the the Gary Bohannon prototype. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he wasn't like a. I mean, he wasn't throwing into windows or anything like that, right? Like most of their game was built around. You know, they played a lot of read option. They, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they rolled him out a lot. They got him in space a lot. Um, and, and they made, you know, he's the, a bigger, the, bigger set quarterback. Right. And they tried to make the game easy for him. Right. And, mm-hmm. and to me, like, I look at Gary Bohannon, and and I think that he has a lot of that ability, right? Because because the other thing too is that Gary Bohannon has a cannon for an arm. That that's not in question. Sure, sure, sure. You know, uh, the question is whether the cannon, you know, goes is where. Accurate. It, yeah, <laughs> it's whether you can aim the cannon, right? And yeah, so right, right. And I think that you know, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, you know, because because you go back and look at like a guy like Bryce Petty, for example, um, you know, back in 2014 in a different offense, right? Like. Like, basically, all of his deep shots were the same thing, right? Like, either he was throwing the ball short or he was throwing the ball long. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I, I think that, I think that um, you know, we saw that Larry Fedora was willing to do that with a quarterback. And, and obviously, then you add the, the aspect of the quarterback run game. Like, I think that there is a successful offense that can be built around uh, Gary Bohannon. Um, you know, and, and to be clear, like, I think that there's a successful offense that if Charlie Brewer's healthy can be built around Charlie Brewer. It's just we mm-hmm. haven't seen that so far. And, um, you know, I, I think it's worth at least asking the question, right? I, right, I think it's right. worth at least, are you going to open up the quarterback battle uh, this week? I think I think that's something that they need to, you know, at least consider. I'm not saying that they need to, to go and bench their, you know, their four-year starter or anything like that if they don't feel comfortable. Because cause that's another mm-hmm. part of it too, right? It's like, man... It, it, it's not like it's Kelly Bryant who has Trevor Lawrence behind him, right? Like, sure, sure, sure. You don't know what you have back there. And if you bench Brewer and the guys behind him are bad... You lost Brewer. You lost Brewer like, and, and you're in bad shape for the next yeah. year or two, right? Right. So, yeah, I don't so know. It's, 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 and, and, like, again, it's similar to the Jimbo Fisher thing to where it's like, this is where you expected to see something. Right, because you you have the guy who's supposed to theoretically be a good fit for Charlie Brewer, and you've see, you know you've seen the ups and downs, and the ups have been really really good. Right, we always think about the end, especially the end of that second year. Right, that we're, I just don't think he ever got back to that point to what we saw at the the end of that sophomore year, where you're like, oh, this kid is a future like big all Big Twelve. Like you, that's what you saw at the end of that second season. Definitely right? it was like somebody who was up to that caliber to where you're going to be talking about him, Ellinger, and whoever the Oklahoma quarterback is as the next as the guy in a year or two um, in the Big Twelve and. He's plateaued from. Obviously, he's gone down from that. No, point. he's regressed. And, he's regressed. And he's and then last year was just kind of a overall plateau. And then I don't know. We're still asking the same questions. Is the thing right? 
Right. And and I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing, right? Like, I think when you watch 2018 Charlie Brewer tape, like, he carried them to a bowl game, and he carried them to a bowl win, right? Like, it was mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. It was nobody else. <laughs> it was Charlie Brewer's the reason that they made a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I just... But we haven't seen that. Uh, you know, you watch film from 2018 versus now. He just looks so much less comfortable. His throwing motion looks so much less comfortable. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think it could be just something physical, right? Like, I, I don't know. It, I, I just... But if, if it is something physical, it's game two. Like, it's already if it's already being triggered or something, I, I don't know. That's just... This is bad news. And, and again, like, I, I don't want to dismiss, like... They don't have that season last year without Charlie Brewer. They don't. And mm-hmm. they don't make a bowl game the year before. Like, Matt Rule has an NFL coaching job largely because of Charlie Brewer. But, man, it's it's just... Whew, we might be re- reaching the end of the line with this, so... Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, um, all right. Moving on. Texas Longhorns. Uh, so, oh. so um, <laughs> Texas has played three games, and it turns out one of them was a fluke, and that was beating a Conference USA <laughs> opponent. <laughs> oh, what was this game? Um, first of all, this was like the most penalized game I think I've ever seen in my life. Terrible. Um, absolutely. Like, it was a mixture of like bad officiating and just undisciplined. Right? right, like it was, right. it was a good mixture. Like it wasn't just like the most undisciplined game ever, ever played. It was like there were some terrible calls. There were some like, why are you looking for that? There was some like, oh come on, who can-? like? It was just <laughs> there were so many moments where you're just like, just play the game, please. Um, I believe in the first half there were eighteen. Like it was some ridiculous number of penalties in that first half. Second half it kind of tailored off. Um. But there was still, I want to say there was still like nine in the second half or something like that. It was still right. something. It Yeah, it was, golly, the penalties, just first of all, before we even get into the game. Oh, my God, that was just, oh, that was unwatchable. It Partially, it made me, it made me like, we should push the season back even more. Like, it was like, <laughs> everyone's rusty, the refs are rusty. Like, it just, right. we should have just pushed the season off more. Um, I believe they, uh, they finished with exactly 200 yards of penalties in that game (laughs) so yeah that was uh, just over if not exactly so yeah um anyway uh max duggan for heisman i don't know (laughs) so you know talking about text for a second um their defense still just looks unprepared right like Mm -hmm. like okay so yeah i do want to hit on that because that last touchdown for tcu I do what, what that was the it was a Max Duggan. I don't know, was it a design draw or did he just see uh, it? It was a design draw, I think. Okay, okay. Texas is running the widest wide nine defensive line front I've ever seen to where like the defensive tackles are lined up on the outside shoulder of the guard. And I'm like, where what is that? Because tr- Max Duggan just runs right up the gut until like maybe one guy gets upon him. There, uh, it was, yeah. I think Tavondrick Sweat was that defensive tackle, and like he, of course, they might as well just—he's a defensive end. So like, or is he a tackle? Is he an end or a tackle? Uh, I think they they kind of play him both, but I think he's usually an okay. end. Okay, so yeah, they're playing him at tackle. So like, obviously, they're—it's a pass rushing formation, and so like, he's out. He's lined up in uh, theoretically a defensive end slot, but he's playing D tackle, and Max Duggan just takes off right up the middle, and it's just like, what was, what were, what were you thinking? Like, what is, what was the point of that? 
<laughs> d- defensive front um if max Duggan's is just gonna skip to the end zone right up the gut yeah it, um, it was it was yeah. very much uh it was very much like we were talking about with the tech play where you're, it was like a oh this is like you know two seconds from a disaster picture and <laughs> right and, right. Uh, and, and yeah i don't know yeah go ahead. go ahead no 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 i mean it's just it's funny because there's not one thing that tcu did that was just tremendous right like it 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 really wasn't that it was just that they were better all day long and and honestly Mm -hmm. like the game wasn't even as close as the score makes it look like tc was the better team for most of that day sure and and so you know i look at so Duggan, first of all, in in this new sort of offensive scheme, looks great. Like like really he, really he good. T- he's so good. I mean, we'll talk about TC when we get to them. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, he looks like a completely different quarterback. Yeah, and the thing that's that's confusing, right, is that man, I I don't know. When Sam Ellinger looks good, he looks incredible. Mm-hmm. He, he's also not looked all that great at times this year which is which is not something that i expect now it's i will say like i think a lot of his numbers are are not his fault like a lot of it is that the receivers haven't gotten the separation they need to get whenever they've gotten separation Mm -hmm. like ellinger has him on the dot right like Mm -hmm. but i I don't know and i mean the other thing too is that they went away from the run game extremely quickly Mm -hmm. um you know and and i don't know it was it was just an ugly game. I mean, it was kind of confusing to me because the way that Iowa State was able to have a lot of success against the TCU defense was by attacking them right up the middle, and they had all sorts of miscommunications. And I was a little surprised that they didn't really try that at all. You know, I mean, like, yeah. like uh, you know, Ingram and Johnson only combined for 16 carries. Like, it's not enough to me. Um, right, right. So I I don't know it was it was just a weird game plan I, I honestly I don't even really know what's game plan and what's not uh, the the Texas defensive backs looked just as bad as they did uh, the week before and yeah. I I don't know I mean what does Texas do well right now uh, hope Sam Ellinger does something great yeah that's, and, and that's he it does it a lot he does <laughs> and it a he lot. does it a lot so he yeah he's good enough to where you that's like that's not a terrible plan but. He's not. He's not going to do that for you know an you know forty a full game every single week. Like you got to have something else there for yeah, him. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, it it looks bad. It looks really bad because that's two games. Like they should have lost last week probably, um, or at least they played like they should have lost. I mean, you know that that was like that was literally a game where Ellinger's like, come on, I'll drag this team to an overtime win. Um, and they're lucky that Oklahoma looks just as mysterious right now because <laughs> this, you know, Red River's next week. But the the here's the thing: the different the 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 thing for Oklahoma is this is their year to stumble. Like mm-hmm. Oklahoma's mm-hmm. playing a bunch of sophomores and freshmen. Like this is their year for Oklahoma to stumble. What's Texas's excuse? This is this is this was the year. Like so many years we were talking, like you know, in the uh, editorial meetings and all that. Yeah, 2020 Texas. Like that's the one. Like that's the year where you're like, this is where they they should be aiming to make a playoff run, to at least get back to it, to at least to to convincingly get to a New Year Six. Not like not sort of stumble into one like they did a couple years ago, but like actually like convincingly make one. Um, you know, get back to the Big Twelve title game. Like this, this is the year. This is the target, and. Yeah, I, I, you 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 make you make uh, Tom Herman uses his mulligan card, right? His get out of jail free by firing the staff and bringing in guys that you know, are I guess, 
I don't know, just bringing in his friends, I guess, but like uh, <laughs> bringing in guys that he, he thinks should, could run this ship better. Um, and they haven't steered the ship anywhere. Like it's just gone. It's just, it's, it's stagnated. Like it's just resting on dead, dead water. And you know, your looks fine. I mean, the offense is not the issue. Like they, they look okay, but like, you know, the def- Chris Ash, I don't know. Hiring the Rutgers head coach doesn't look like a surprisingly does not look like, you know, uh, doesn't look like a good hire. Oh, I'm shocked. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, they went from, uh, <laughs> they obviously went from being, okay, let's kind of try to be like Ohio State to, can we just let's copy just hire Ohio everyone, State? Right. Right. Can, can, can we, we just, just hire everyone from Ohio State? And uh, it turns out that there's a lot of things that Ohio State does that Texas does not do. <laughs> oh, trust me. I, I, I have a feeling Texas is going to try to be a lot like Ohio State in the near future if this keeps going. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, <laughs> right. Uh, no, and I mean... It's funny because Tom Herman, that's an Urban Meyer reference for those of you that aren't getting it. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) The funny thing about this, right? Like watching this team really the last two years, it's looked, it reminds me almost a little. And like this team was better, don't get me wrong, but but, like Mm -hmm. it reminds me a little of 2013 Johnny, where it's just like, Mm. all right, a lot of the good players are gone. So it's just like Johnny and Mike Evans trying to like make something out of nothing every single week. And it working a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like Sam Ellinger's fantastic, like really, really good. One of the best quarterbacks that we've had in, in uh, the state this decade. He's not Johnny. Mm-hmm. Right. Like and and also it's fair, I think, to expect that the other players on this supremely talented team filled with blue chip guys and top five recruits should be better football players. Right. And then and then obviously be put in better positions by a coaching staff that won a national title right like mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's just oh, i can't wa- let's put it this way i can't wait to talk about tcu because then we can talk about a lot of guys who are probably under recruited and are developing really nicely <laughs> yeah the the last thing that i'll say uh you know and, and i mean i can mention it again in the tcu section tcu uh the the team full of plucky young upstarts going up against goliath has beaten <laughs> the university of texas Six of the last seven times, so we should have seen this coming. <sighs> oh, man. Freaking Longhorns, man. Uh, n- n- number <laughs> number four. Number four, the UTEP Miners. Uh, they didn't play last week. Like I said, they did nothing to ruin my joy. So we can just <laughs> jump on past them and forget that they have to play on the road at Louisiana Tech this week, which is going to be not as fun. Right. Anyway... <laughs> Number three, uh, the UTSA Roadrunners. UTSA, um, look, this is kind of what we expected. A 21-13 loss to UAB. I, th- I think that they actually did a good job of keeping things close. Um, the other thing, you know, yeah, the, well, the thing ahead. that I'll make uh, sure and mention is that yeah. uh, Frank Harris was out and Josh Adkins went out really early in this game. So they were, yeah. it was a revolving door of quarterbacks. Yeah, they play, I believe, I think, I can't remember if Weeks came in first, I think. Uh, we, I think, I want to say Weeks came in first because I remember watching late that Narcisse was in, and yeah. that kind of, that kind of more or less shows me where they think this offense is. The fact that yeah. Weeks was the first one to come off for for Atkins, and Narcisse came in, and they obviously had to go to their, you know, their hybrid power run offense that they did last year. Um, when Narcisse made like one pretty good throw to, I believe, I'm trying to think of uh, the Cephas, um, and that was basically it. 
Like they, <laughs> it was basically like, yeah, this is all we can kind of do with this guy at, court, at quarterback, which is, you know, right. he is what he is. Um, and yeah, unfortunate. It was unfortunate for them because they were able to hang around. They just couldn't. The ceiling of the offense, the natural ceiling of the offense, when you don't have Harris and Atkins, um, just kind of reared its ugly head. Yeah, McCormick did his thing, but I mean, what what can you do when you're playing UAB and they know you're not going to be able to throw the ball? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and and I did check. Jordan Weeks was the first kid off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just. He wasn't prepping like he was going to play in this game. You know, I mean, obviously everybody preps like they're going to play. But, like, you know, you you don't expect to play in this game. I mean, it is kind of interesting to me, like you said, that that Weeks was first off over Narcisse. Because, obviously, Mm. Narcisse, not that long ago, looks like he was a guy who was going to compete for the starting job. And, apparently, that's completely gone. Mm. Um, You know, uh, yeah, I will say, like, to to only lose 21-13 with your third and fourth string quarterback i mean that's pretty impressive honestly like yeah you're, it, ha- you're hanging around there right right and obviously they did uh they did score a touchdown late it was 21 to 6 but i mean you know they they kept it close enough to where you know not not that they could have necessarily won the game like uab was clearly better than them but mm-hmm. um but you know their defense forced turnovers uh that you know uab's quarterback uh bryson lucera i think it is uh through three interceptions like you know utsa was disruptive they caused issues um the thing that i have to mention man is that sincere mccormick every, everybody knew that he was going to be the guy who would get the ball every ting- single time and he still averaged 6.8 yards per rush he is insane he is an absolute cheat code and uh the other thing that i'll say too is that when anybody who is not sincere mccormick touched the ball uh they averaged 3.3 yards per play so that's kind of the sounds game. like last year <laughs> yeah and I will say, unfortunately for UTSA, it looks like Josh Atkins had a broken collarbone. Did he really? So, oh, that sucks. Um, so, at least according to this tweet from Larry Ramirez over at KSAT. Um, okay. So, uh, Coach Trailer says it's going to be a while before they get him back. So, okay. I don't know the status of Frank Harris. So um, he was he was a he was a game time game decision time, right? this week. Yeah, okay. So you would expect him to potentially uh you know, you would expect him to potentially have a chance to to come back. Um and, and look, I Dear mean, God, I hope so, because <laughs> uh we'll talk about it this week, but they got BYU coming up. Yeah, actually you know what, maybe maybe just let him get healthy. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Hey hey Jordan Weeks, I sorry kid, but you got we gotta throw you into the fire a bit. Yeah. And and I mean look, I do I do expect that look, there's obviously you get reps when you're not first string or even second right. string, but it's not the same as if you get first team reps. Right? right. So like Jordan Weeks is gonna likely get first team reps this week, even if Frank Harris is ready. And so sure, sure, sure. You know, I mean, I I think that uh, I think that's going to be a good thing for him. Like, I mean, he, he showed some stuff, but it's just it's just such a tough I mean, matchup. Again, yeah, again, you see why, right? You see why he he was the first to come off the bench because like they see the arm talent. They, I mean, that's was that was his thing at Wimberley. He just had a big arm, and that Wimberley offense was just you know vertical. Um, and so you see what they want to do with 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 their offense. The fact that he was the first to come off than a running than a run first quarterback like Narcisse. So. You know, who knows? Maybe with first team, consistent first team reps, you know, he looks a little bit more comfortable when they know what he can kind of do when he understands kind of what they're asking of him. And you know, it, it's different when you have a week of prep. It's just unfortunate that it's gonna have to come at play, playing against BYU. Yeah, <laughs> in Provo. Yeah. yeah, no, that's 
not going to be any fun. But you know, credit to them for fighting. Again, we, we only we only moved them down a spot to number three, right? Like they basically did. This was move. the yeah. This was the stretch of the season where things were going to come back to earth pretty quickly. For right, you right, right, right. So, and uh, I will say it looked a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, no, there's. I, I think again, there's nothing to be concerned about based on what happened this week. And um, mm-hmm. again, they're still number three. <laughs> Everybody else is falling around them. Mm-hmm. All right, how about them frogs? Uh, oh all my of a gosh, sudden, yes. All of a sudden, <laughs> the good part um, of that game. Yeah, all of a sudden, that second half against Iowa State and this performance against Texas suddenly looks more like that's what we're doing with TCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Max Duggan only comes in in the second half of that Iowa State game, and they look much better after that. And uh, and look, I mean, first of all, I, I have to mention, Max Duggan must hate the University of Texas. because. <laughs> He completes like seventy percent of his passes against Texas, compared to like fifty-one percent against everybody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, look, I, I think that based off of this game and what we saw against Iowa State, I, I mean, this offense looks like a really good fit for Duggan. That they can just get it out a lot quicker. Um, you know, and and they still know doing... how to utilize his mobility. Like, Definitely he's running the ball really well, confidently. Like it's not right. just like last year it looked like him kind of running with his head cut off. It was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And this year it's like, all right, I'm going to actually make some smart runs and read the defense a little bit more, move better. Yeah. And I think that this is a good example. Um, This whole offense really is a good example of how to use an offensive line that struggles, you Mm -hmm. know, because they really – you know, look, this this is not a very good offensive line, and even last week it was a disaster. Obviously, they played a lot better this week. Like they didn't, they did. It wasn't a disaster this week, but you know, the way that they schemed around it was, you know, they did a lot of misdirection, they did a lot of rollouts, and obviously they did a lot of QB draws so that they had to stay honest, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, when when you do that, uh, especially when you know, again, when when you know that some plays your offensive line is just going to get beat. Uh, you know, to to stand back and then run a draw, like that's a good way of of sort of mitigating that, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I I think that their scheme does a really good job. Uh, you know, defensively, I thought that you know their pass defense was really good. Um, you know, their defensive line is still okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's not a Gary Patterson defensive line still, but it's it's better than it was last year. Um, you know, again, I I think that TCU is starting to turn into maybe about what we expected, which is, you know, a, an upper middle half Big 12 team that has the chance to to beat anybody any week they play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. Um, you look at w- the thing that really stood out to me was like, I mean, obviously we knew that TCU's uh, backfield was really deep, right? Obviously with Zach Evans coming in, we were like, oh, this is going to be a really talented backfield. Kendra Miller was their like their their go to guy yesterday, and yeah, it's like it Kendra Miller seriously. And then like he was doing really well, and then you realize oh they have a they just have another guy in the backfield. <laughs> right. I was like uh, trust me, Kendra Miller from Mount Enterprise like he's like he was a great player in high school, but it was like I didn't expect him to be punching through this early. And like T- Gary Patterson was just like yeah sure Kendra Miller why not Darwin Barlow sure like it was like that was the guy a true freshman right he's a true freshman from a two A school. Like, and so like you expected him to, you know, you expected Barlow and you expected guys like DeMarco Foster. And Mm -hmm, and then even mm -hmm. if you were going to go to a true freshman, you expected a guy like uh, Zach Evans to be that guy. And they're just throwing Kendra Miller out there and he's having really good. He's doing really, really well against against Texas. And 
by the way, yeah, you still got Darwin Barlow and Demarwe Foster and Tay Barber whenever you want to use them in that role. Like you got like, you got so many like guys that you can just throw in the backfield. The fact that Tay Barber can step back there anytime they want he wants and be a threat, you know, or off the sweep or whatever. Like you have so many guys coming out that backfield. And by the way, we only saw Zach Evans for like what one or two snaps. He's still yeah, getting like he's still snaps. getting uh uh in shape. And so like <laughs> this the ceiling for this team looks really, really good. And I, the only thing I'd say is, you know, look at the the law of Gary Patterson losing seasons because apparently it looks pretty good. That <laughs> that record still looks right. pretty good. I mean, they're still one and one. You know, it's still a full season to go. But, but that Iowa State seen, loss looks a whole lot yeah, better. Right. That Iowa State loss looks a whole lot better. The Iowa State second half just looks really, really good because, again, if Max Duggan starts that game, they might just win flat out and convincingly. Um, and... Again, yeah, I mentioned Kendra Miller, Mount Enterprise, right? You look at, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, uh, uh, Kendrick Van Zant, like <laughs> yeah, Henderson, yeah. right? Like you look at you look at TCU plucking these guys up from programs. It's just a perfect contrast to what Texas's highly touted recruits from big time programs not panning out. It's just a perfect contrast to what TCU's doing with a bunch of guys from. 3A, 4A, 2A schools in Texas, developing them. Or Max Duggan, who is this? Where's Max Duggan from exactly? Uh, he's from Iowa, Cedar Bluffs, right? Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. And so, like, the, plucking these guys out and Gary Patterson saying, yeah, I can do something with that. And just like, <laughs> and doing exactly that. Like, it, I mean, right. he was, I want to say Duggan was, he wasn't a nobody recruiter. He was a somebody. But like, he, you I know. I think that they offered him before he kind of blew up. So, gotcha. um, so you know, they they definitely, I think, were one of the first there on him. Yeah, but even then, like last year, you were kind of like, ah, I don't know, is he really anybody? You know, he's like, is he gonna develop in anything? And it turns out, yeah, no, he's good. Like he looks like a good quarterback, and you know, this year looks like a potential breakout for him. Yeah, yeah. So, who man, I I don't know. In in this Big Twelve, all of a sudden, anything looks possible for these Horn Frogs. So, oh, by the way, we didn't even mention. Garrett Wallow, holy crap. <laughs> that play he made on Keontae Ingram. Yeah. <laughs> like, to punch the ball out at the goal line. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. we knew he was awesome, but that that is a clutch play by an awesome, awesome linebacker. Yeah, man, once you get past their uh, – again, their defensive line is very okay. Uh, but mm-hmm. once you get past that, man, the back seven is special. Like, it is yeah. it is really good, especially when these corners start to get a little more experienced. Like, th- there's so much talent back there. Um, and, and again, like, <laughs> that, that's again the thing for me is like, man, why are you trying to pass it so much on this team? This It's not going to work, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's what they do best. So, no, I mean, Wall has been incredible so far this year. I mean, like you said, game-saving play. And, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of game-saving plays, uh, how about SMU's defense forcing a turnover as Memphis is about to go and kick a field goal to win the game. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That was, uh, yeah, go ahead. Man, man. So number one, obviously, we got the SMU Mustangs, the yep. uh, only 4-0 team in the state. Are they the only undefeated left? I guess they are, right? Oh, uh, well, well, I guess Rice and Houston, but, <laughs> but the only sure, t- yeah, team that's played games. <laughs> uh, they're 4-0. Uh, thirty to twenty-seven win over number twenty-five Memphis. Uh, to me, I, I don't. I assume that the poll will come out in the next like twenty minutes or so. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I personally would hope that they're in the top twenty-five. I think that they deserve to be there. Um, you know, look, uh, they they went up twenty-four to three and then tried to sit on this ball game and it did not work. Right, like mm-hmm. this this should have been more dominant than it was, but. 
man, I will say part of it, part of it was also Memphis looking like a team that had not played a game and for sure, that for had sure. that had to miss some weeks of practice too. So like that was SMU was the better team from the get go, but I know a lot of it did look like where it was like, oh geez, here we go, like oh we're in right. the game now, we're back. The funny thing about it, right, is that the thing that really got going in the second half was I, I felt SMU's defense played really well for for a lot of this game. You know, I thought mm-hmm. that they I thought that they did a good job of of swarming the football especially. They didn't give them a whole lot in the in the run game. Um mm-hmm. you know, and in the past game like Brady White just made plays, right? Like I, I think that that kind of ended up being why this game became competitive was that, you know, Brady White is just really really good at football, but man, I mean, when SMU's rolling, they they absolutely roll and it is kind of funny contrasting this year's game to last year's game because last mm-hmm. year it was so much that SMU was terrible on special teams. And this year, special teams kind of won them the game. Yeah, yeah, really did. Quite literally no. in the end. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, the, the only really, really unfortunate note from this game is oh, that, yeah. uh, well, I, I guess two of them. You know, the first, TJ McDaniel goes down on the first play of the game, first or second play of the game, and mm-hmm. um, look, we, we haven't heard anything back. It sure looks like his ankle was broken. Um, <sighs> it was it was like pointing, it looked like it was pointing the wrong way. Uh, well, now, again, th- that's me from the press box slash me looking at the TV broadcast, right? That's not mm-hmm. me having inside info, but it, it looked pretty bad. The other one, and this just this, this just one sucks is so bad, devastating. This sucks so bad. Um, so so Reggie Robertson through three quarters had five catches for two hundred forty three yards and two touchdowns, and then he suffers a non contact injury. Um, and had to be carted off. Had to be carted off. It just, oh man. I I mean, look, the thing that I'll say about Reggie Robertson, um. He has played 18 games at SMU, and he has nearly 2,100 receiving yards, right? Like, this, mm. when this kid's on the field, he, he is, is a star, man. <laughs> he is unstoppable. Like, James Prochet, obviously, is that dude, right? Like, James yeah, Prochet yeah. is deservedly, the you know, the top receiver, you know, at least on campus in SMU history, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we can argue talent. We can argue, like, the Cortland Suttons and all that. But, like, James Prochet's the guy, but, mm-hmm. man... Reggie Robertson is is the best player, you know, best receiver he's been there the last two years in my sure. opinion. Like he is, he's 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 he has that like, he has that absolute game break ability to where you're just like, any anything you give him, right? Flyer out, bubble screen, whatever. Like he is taking something to the house. And and the and thing that's crazy about five, him too, five catches, two forty three. Right. Like that is unbelievable. The thing that's crazy uh. about Robertson too, and and I mean, look, I I don't want this to sound like you know we're writing like an obituary or something right, like right, that for right, a right, season, right. but you know we're just worried that it might be, and 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 if this is the end of his season, we're we're making damn sure that we're talking about him because he's absolutely right. special. But um, the the thing that's crazy about Robertson too, uh, is that he just to me he just is a complete complete receiver, right? Like he can yeah. do everything. He's you know, again, like you said, he's got like the game breaking speed. Um, his body control. I don't know if you saw his. Uh, it was like an eighty-five yard touchdown. I think. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. the adjustment he made on that play. Oh my god, he he left the <laughs> Memphis defender like on his hands and knees trying to, and it was like it was like one step to the side, and it was just oh my gosh, it was it was incredible. And 
And the other thing, too, is, like, he's a big body, he's pretty thick, so he's able to absorb contact really well, he's a good blocker, like, to, man, this is, we obviously have to, you know, obviously have to stay healthy, and, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully this was just a scare, right? I mean, mm. hope to God this is just a scare, but, um, right. but, you know, I mean, because, like, dude, he is, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make a declaration about him being, like, a first-round receiver or anything like that, but he is, he is a, the type of guy who should, you know, be in that in that conversation right at least in that headspace in terms of sure. like this is a guy who I, I mean i'm trying to think who who even at the nfl level kind of compares to him right because like mm-hmm. you know it, it's just so hard to find guys who are both game-breaking speed talents and also you know so good at the jump ball so good at at muscling their way through press coverage like he's everything man and and last year the offense once he left was completely different uh, they lost uh, they lost three games, and all of them were in the five games after Reggie Robertson was injured. And, Jeez. You know, the, I think they have more depth this year uh, at receiver. Mm-hmm. I think that um, even though they don't have a Prochet like Rasheed Rice, Danny Gray, um, they had they had TQ Jackson, who obviously Damon Sills told us about this week. Um, you know, they have more guys, I'd say. Austin Upshaw, like, they, they have guys. But, yep. man, it, it's just different without Robertson. For sure, for sure. And I do, you know, we don't want to make it all about Robertson, like you mentioned. Like, he, we want to make sure we get it in just in case this is, that was the end because it was pretty. It looked bad. Pretty stark, yeah. It looked, it looked, it looked really bad. Um, you know, he kind of had a towel over his head. I was being carted off. And, I mean, the the nature of the injury, right? He makes a cut and then just, and he just gives out. And so right. that's always, that's never really a good sign. You know, we'll obviously hope for the best. Um, because I mean, we just, it just showed how deadly this SMU offense was, right? You see, Shane Bichelle, like obviously we think he's the best, if not one of two, the best quarterbacks in the state. And like, you see what happens when he has a weapon that he can just say, "Yeah, screw it, Robertson." Like, <laughs> right, right. like we love, we love, like there's always that factor. Whenever I look at great quarterbacks, and you just give them that like effort option where <laughs> just like I always go back to Brady in 2010 with Moss it was like F it Moss like and like Bichelle had that the past couple of years where it's like right, Prochet right. sure why not like where, where you're just giving them these options and you see how deadly a great quarterback can be when they have a great option like that and I mean yeah like it, it, it was it was the, it was the kind of game where like you mentioned it right they take control early they kind of sit on it and they get punched in the mouth repeatedly, and then they just hang on. And then they're right. just like, they're good enough to be like, yeah, no, we're not letting this one go. Um, and I guess it kind of shows last year how how much, not just Kenneth Gainwell, but just a, a viable running game meant to Memphis, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, SMU had to game plan so much. And then, of course, you mentioned special teams. Obviously, those ga- they had game-breaking and back-breaking plays that they gave up last year on special teams. But just how much those X factors meant as opposed to just like Memphis praying Brady white just gets him out of trouble. Right. Right. And you know, he did a pretty good job for most of the game, but it's just not the same. And yeah. you know, so, so I guess, you know, we're, we're, this is obviously a very long podcast, so we need to wrap up soon, but, yeah. um, but with SMU's win over Memphis now, they have one more game against a ranked opponent. Uh, that's against mm-hmm. Cincinnati. They get them at home, which I think is, is a big deal, especially not having to make a road trip this year, you know, of all years, right? And so mm-hmm. so what is the ceiling for this this SMU team? I mean, how good can they be? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'm going to try to quickly glance at their schedule. 
And I, golly, like Cincinnati's obviously a tough one. Yep, yep. Um, they go two two lane uh, versus number fifteen Cincinnati, which will be a huge game. Uh, they play Me- they play Navy. Sorry, not, not Memphis. Uh, yeah, and Navy's been a, a trouble spot for them historically, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it would. And I can't remember. Does Navy look good this year? Is is this a good Navy year? I think it is, right? Uh, let me see. No, it's Quarter. not. It is not. It is a bad. <laughs> it is not. Year. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> they lost forty to seven to Air Force right, right, and fifty five right. to three against a good BYU, but fifty five yes. to three is never great. Yes, 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 um, yes that's yes. right. Because you know so, the service academies take turns being good and bad, so this is a, <laughs> right. this is a bad Navy year. Um, Due to yeah, their so, recruiting, they can quite literally only be good at one time. It seems right. <laughs> right. So so versus Navy, then they go at Temple. You know, Temple hasn't, you know, I think they've only played one game so far uh, at Tulsa. Tulsa looks like they're trying to ruin some people's lives this year, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Zach Smith is going to outduel Shane Bouchelle uh, Uh versus Houston. That should be a fun game as well. And then at East Carolina, right? So like, I see the seal. I mean, the ceiling is one loss. Yeah. Like, cause obviously you look at the, the Cincinnati is the, the one loss where you're the one team where you're like, yeah, probably going to lose that one. Um, or at least be fa- uh, be as the underdogs, but like, yeah, like that. That's man, you you should be knocking on the door of a New Year's Six, like yeah. easily. Yeah. And if you can pull, I mean, it's going to come down to that Cincinnati game. If you can pull right. out a win in Cincinnati, like you should be sailing high, hoping for a Cotton Bowl or something, right? Like that is this team looks deadly right now, and even without Reggie Robertson, this team looks deadly. And yeah. Uh, hopefully, I guess the one you hope for is obviously TJ McDaniel because obviously yeah. Yeah, losing both of those guys is something. But like, I don't know. Like, hopefully, hoping you can get TJ McDaniel back in some capacity at some point, you know, to give you some depth in the backfield. Like, you know, this team looks good, and it looks like the team that we expected to see coming off last year. Yeah, yeah, and and look, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of football left to play. Like they, you know, to to even get in the conversation with the team that they had last year they have to you know play really really well but um but you know look i I think the other thing too and and obviously every year is different i'm not going to say that 2019 cincinnati and 2020 are the same but like Mm -hmm. you know when they when they played against memphis they really struggled last year cincinnati did to keep up with their offense right like cincinnati's a team that's known for sort of suffocating teams that's really that's really their calling card yeah right right and so they're not going to suffocate SMU. They just can't. Like SMU's sure. too good offensively to to suffocate them. And so the question is, you know, if you if you can get to thirty points, mm-hmm. like then I think that you can beat Cincinnati. And and I think that you know SMU's defense is good enough and has played well enough this year so far to to believe that they can keep them under thirty. Mm-hmm. And and so I mean, there's definitely a path there, right? Like where where they can go and win that game. And and obviously if they win that game, like all of a sudden, it, like they're, SMU's the team then, right? Like SMU's it and. And the thing too about that would be that um, that you know if if SMU because I think that look it's just it's a long season it's going to be a weird season there's going to you know at some point be issues I'm sure with contact tracing like that, that's just going to be part mm-hmm. of it um, but you know if, if SMU loses one game even if it is the game to Cincinnati and and goes and plays in the AAC title game like you said they're going to have a chance to go play in a New Year's Six game and I mean look I I think. We we were obviously very optimistic about the Fighting Shane Bouchelles this year. That's why we put them on the cover of our magazine. But man, that would be special if they uh, if they followed it up uh, followed up their first ten win season since nineteen eighty three by going to a New Year's Six bowl. One hundred percent. 
All right. Well, that's pretty much do it for us. Thanks to everybody for listening. As always, you can find our work at textfootball.com. Become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. we got a lot uh, coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on, we are in the midst of uh, we're, we're in the final stages of putting together our basketball magazine, which obviously Ish is the managing editor of that magazine. Ish, how, how are mm-hmm. things going on that front? Uh, it should be. We are coming into the final weeks of uh, getting that finalized, so we sh- I'm kind of excited to show everybody the cover for that one. Um, we'll be, uh, that should be also coming probably next week of some time. Um, and yeah, we're com- we're coming we're coming along, pushing along. Um, you know, obviously college basketball is getting started in late November, so you know I'm I'm I am excited to see that there is some concrete scheduling as far as that con- that's concerned uh starting to be released now with i believe cusa and the sunbelt releasing their conference schedules so um yeah things are coming to fruition for that and i'm excited to get this magazine out of my hair <laughs> <laughs> and and uh yeah it, it showed me a picture of the cover the cover the other day and it's it's a good one it's a really good one so i'm yeah. excited for everybody to see it so uh keep an eye out for that uh we have tons of, of basketball coverage to at textbasketball.com, especially as we get into the season. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back with you guys again on Wednesday.